excited this morning. We're, we're talking about faith. Today we're going to talk about blessed are the risk takers. Risk takers. Do me a favor. Don't get mad at me. If you see it in this book, take it up with the one who wrote it. I didn't write the thing. Honest, I didn't. When I was a kid, high school, I was a, had a paper route. I delivered the Charlotte Observer in Charlotte, North Carolina. And my job, I had to have all the papers out by six o'clock. And then I went to high school. And, you know, I delivered the papers, ran from the dogs, all that mess. And nobody ever came out before 5, 5, 15 said to me, I'm mad about what's wrote in this paper. I'd tell them, call the editor. I didn't write it. I just get it on your doorstep. My job just to get it on your doorstep. Don't take it up with me if you don't like what he says. Can I get a witness? All righty. I folks a little ill with me over this thing this morning. We're going to talk about risk takers. I want to introduce you to the Jesus of the Bible this morning. Now I get in trouble a lot because I say there's a difference between the Jesus of this Bible and the Jesus of the American church. I get in trouble for that. I'm sorry. Fellow said, you rubbed the cat the wrong way. Turn the cat around. One of us is going to enjoy ourselves this morning. Dear ones, j just listen to what I've got to say. I don't believe the Jesus of the American church is the Jesus of the Bible. I'm not mad about the Jesus of the American church. He bores me. I love the Jesus of this Bible. I, I'll give my life for this guy right here. I'll give up everything to follow him. I like the Jesus of the Bible. And uh, let me, the Jesus of the American church sort of wants us to become like, American. he wants us to become sort of like Mr. Rogers. No risks, everything's safe. Mild-mannered, don't burp. You know, I don't want to be Mr. Rogers. I want to be a spiritual Rambo. You don't know who Rambo is? I'm, I'm old. I don't remember nobody. I started to say John Wayne. All the 20 years ago, who's that right there? <laughs> Jesus, this Bible is different. He's wonderful. And uh, the Jesus of this Bible, you know what he's looking for? He's not looking for mild-mannered people who are there to make mistakes. Jesus, this Bible is looking for risk-takers. One amen. That's, that's not, I didn't know I'd get that much. All right. <laughs> Jesus, Bible's looking for people to take risks, crazy risks in faith. Guess why? Here's our foundational verse of this study. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. God rewards people who seek him. He's looking for somebody to take a risk so he can reward them. He's just always watching for somebody to take a risk so he can do something for them. As we're going to see this morning, he is the rewarder of the risks. All right, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read this passage today. Now remember something. These are not Bible stories. I, that ain't worth reading it for. The Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God trying to show you what he's like. The Bible is God trying to show you what he will bless. That's why I study this book. I want to know what he's like. All right, Matthew 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. Here's what he's like. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat, go before him to the other side of a huge lake, miles across, while he sent the multitude away. They just got done feeding 5,000. He said, y'all get in that boat. Our next assignment's on the other side of the lake, miles away. I'm going to get rid of the crowd. And when he sent the multitudes away, verse 23, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Evening came, he was alone there. The boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. That's the Bible way of saying it was in a heck of a storm. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. How many of you believe he really did it? I think he did it. 
A lot of people don't believe in the miracles of the Bible. Well, throw it in the garbage. You ever heard of the Jefferson Bible? It's, on, it's in the Smithsonian Institute. Thomas Jefferson, he believed in Jesus. He admired Jesus, but he was not a Christian. He never followed Jesus. Uh, you know, one of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, his Bible's in the Smithsonian. And Thomas Jefferson said this, no man, there's never been a greater man than Jesus. No man has ever taught us how to live with each other greater than Jesus, but I don't buy the miracle stuff. He took his Bible and he took a razor. He cut every miracle out of the Bible. And that's why it's called the Jefferson Bible. Every miracle has been cut out. It's in the Smithsonian to this day. And this, where it said Jesus walked on water, that's one of the things he cut out. He doesn't believe in any of the miracles. Well, you say, why'd you say he's not a Christian? Well, if you don't believe in miracles, you can't be a believer. Amen. If you don't believe, you're an unbeliever. What's wrong with this, doc? Well, he didn't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. If you don't believe Jesus rose from the grave, you're not saved. We're, saved. we're not saved because we're good. We're saved because Jesus rose from the grave and we will too. All right, that's called the Jefferson Bible. But I want to make an announcement. I believe Jesus walked on water. You say, why did he do that? I don't care. I just think it's cool. Listen, let me make an announcement. He don't need my permission to do anything. Let, let, let's learn something about God right here. The Mr. Rogers God of the American church would never walk on water. I like this stuff. I tried at a time or two. It didn't work, but I'm not him. All righty. So he walks on the water coming to him. All righty. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were upset, troubled, saying, it's a ghost. They cried out for fear. They thought a ghost coming toward them. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. I've memorized this one of the greatest verses you'll ever memorize right here. Let me tell you why. You say, well, what's so big about that? Anything he says in the Bible to a disciple, he's saying to you. He didn't just say that to them. He says that to you. I want you to look at these words. Be of good cheer. It is I means I am present. Do not be afraid. All right, I got, I got to help you. This is a technicality. I'm sorry, we got to go through this. See the word cheer, terrible word. It is the Greek word thoreo. Now I use the New King James Version of the Bible. You understand the Bible was written in Greek, translated into numerous translations. Every other Bible I know of translates it correctly. And it's not the word, when you think of be a good cheer, what do we think of? Ha ha ha. It's a terrible translation. Thoreo is the word bold, courageous, confident, or have faith. So what Jesus said to him was, be courageous. I am present. Do not be afraid. He didn't just say that to them. He says that to me and you. This is why I want the presence of God in my life. Because what happens when I am here? What happens if the spirit of God draws close and the presence of God comes? Fear disappears and it's replaced by courage. We don't need fear, dear ones. We need courage. Especially in the days we live in. We need courage today. And I want to make an announcement. This is how my God talks right here. He says things like, do not be afraid. I'm present. You be strong. Let's learn about what he's like from his word. So we need to be strong and courageous. All right, that was a little side note right there. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. Ask me why I like Simon. <laughs> Ask me why God likes Simon. Simon's a, he's a, I'm sorry, he's a redneck. He's ignorant, uneducated. The Bible uses those exact words. He screws up on a regular basis. Can I get a witness? Amen. Pull out his pocket knife and stab you. That was after three years of discipleship training with Jesus. Put a cussing on you in a heartbeat. So why would God pick a guy like this? You just saw it right there. 
God made this guy the chief of chief apostles. He's the type God will say, let's see something wild. I want to walk on water. Mr. Rogers, could you see Mr. Rogers saying this? You know, Mr. Rogers would say, it's cold out here. <laughs> What's well, Simon saying? I want to do that. This is what God likes about people, about this guy right here. All right, now you want to see something even better than that. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus said, come on, big boy. Well, I put the big boy in there. Jesus said, come. This is the God of the Bible right here. He said, what, what purpose does it serve to work, walk on water? Would you get off your religion? Let's have a little fun. I want to see God do something. I'm even know walking on water is a miracle. Or can I get a witness? You say, well, you're one of those miracle seekers. Thank you for finally recognizing it. Like Simon, like the people in the Bible, like the God who loves this kind of stuff. So he said, come, all right, watch this. Verse 29, when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That man walked on water. And I know it's cool that God walked on water, but when rednecks can walk on water, we're having fun now. He said, what's this got to do with feeding the hungry and, and working? Could you get off of it? This is the God of the Bible. He just, he's just looking for somebody to take a risk and believe him Amen. so he can do something great. Uh, now I got to ask a technical question. When did God work the miracle? Before he got out of that boat or after he stepped out in faith? If you miss that, you're missing the whole point. You got to take the risk first. The miracle comes after the risk. All right, can I ask you a question? Have you ever read the Bible? Yes. Okay, I've got three people read the Bible. All right, the scripture teaches this. <laughs> This is not an isolated incident. Now, let me appeal to you. See, if I'm wrong, start to send me an email. I'll throw it away. <laughs> See if I'm wrong here. This is not an isolated incident. This is all through the Bible. All right, a man named Abraham. Let's start with the father of the faith, a man named Abraham. God comes to him. He was, he was a cattleman. He had a large cattle operation, had a family, extended family. He lived in the air of the Chaldees. He said to him, pack it up. Get your family together tell your extended family, including your mother-in-law, y'all will never see me again. We're leaving and we're going to a new city. And Abraham said, where are we going? He said, I'm not telling you. You just follow me. Risky? I'm really risky. Now, by the way, this ain't Bible stories. This happened. Risky? Did he do it? What happened? The Messiah came out of his obedience. Israel came out of his obedience. God asked this man, you said, well, I don't think the Lord would ask you to do something crazy. What God are you talking about? Where'd, where'd you get your Bible from? The Dollar General? I can't find him asking anybody anything that wasn't crazy. Moses, 80-year-old convict hiding from justice, a hermit. God said, take that stick, go face down the world's most powerful man, take two million of his servants and walk out into the Sinai desert. Risky? Stupid risky? What if it was you? And uh, Moses said, you want me to march two million people, men, women, and dogs and cats and everything? You want us to march into the Sinai desert with no food and no water? And he said, get going, son. Did he do it? And what happened when he took off? I'm telling you, the miracle only comes after you do the crazy stuff. 
a young fellow named David. I love David. David's the great worshiper of the Bible. Young guy named David at about 14, 15 years old, he said, son, take your slingshot. Go kill the world's most powerful man standing there with that sword and that spear. Go kill him. He's talking ugly about me with the slingshot. Risky? What if your aim's a little off on that day? What if you stumble? This what, like he's not going to have a bad hair day if he misses. He's gone. Risky? Did he do it? What happened when he did it? How'd you like to have been dragging that big sucker's head back with you? <laughs> Who sees the miracles in the Bible? All right, now Gideon. Gideon's one of my favorite guys in the Bible. God comes to him and says, I am tired of that nation beating up on my people. You go attack their army and crush them. Gideon said, can I point something out to you? They got 150,000 warriors. I've got 30,000. God said, you're right. Tell those that are scared to go home. 24,000 left in one day. He said, can I point something out? I'm down to 7,000. They got 150,000. He said, you're right. Take them down to the river to get something to drink. If they drink like a dog, send them home. If they get on a knee and lap with their hand, keep them. He said, can I point something out to you? I'm down to 300 against 150,000. Are the odds good? He said, you're right. Lay your weapons down. You're not using them. What am I supposed to take with me? Give everybody a trumpet. All right, now, jump on them, boy. Risky? Duh, I mean, malignant, stupid, risky. What happened when he obeyed? I could walk all through the Bible like this. Joshua, the man that took Moses' place, he told him, said, take them people to, to the problem where I'm to send them, take them. So he lines them all up, got two million people. They get there, right, they can see it right there, over yonder, quarter mile away. But the Jordan River's between them and it's at flood stage. The Bible said it had flooded over its banks. It's got a raging river standing between them. He said, what do I do? He said, what did I tell you to do? He said, what about the river? He said, I said, get up and get going. He said, everybody get ready. Got them all ready, packed their stuff up, got their kids ready, got the dogs in line. Well, I don't know, got everything ready. And he took off and he started marching toward that river. Stupid. What do you think his wife was saying? About men and directions. You understand what I'm saying here? You know what he decided? I will march them into that river if that's what he said to do. Listen to what the Bible said. When his foot went into that river, it dried up and the wall backed up. Not before, after he put his foot in that water. I could walk y'all through the Bible like this. Tell me what, tell me this great God of the Bible, what's he looking for? I'm looking for somebody to take a risk. In faith, I'm looking for somebody that can do what I ask him to do. That this is the, uh, this is the God of the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Everybody in this Bible, this is where I learned about my God from. I want to know what he's like. Since he holds my breath in his hands and I got to live with him and deal with him, I long for him. I want to know what he's like. You know what I find all through this Bible? If you will step out in crazy faith, you'll see something big happen. He is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of crazy faith. All right, let me teach you something very important right here. And this will help you to understand why things happen like they do. There are two great forces in the earth. Two great forces in the spirit realm that control the earth. What are the two forces? Fear and faith. Fear and faith control everything. All right, faith is heaven's currency. 
Jesus died to give you everything. What's the only way you can get it? By faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. For by grace are you saved through faith. We attain everything Jesus died to give us by faith. He's made everything available. It is, I hate this. I don't want to cheapen anything, but I got to get you to understand this. What you buy heaven's gifts with are faith. Faith is the currency that moves heaven. Faith is what opens heaven's window over your life. You understand that? Who by faith? You can be a great person and have no faith and receive nothing like the elder brother. You can be a person who struggles to walk straight and have faith and heaven's windows will open over you. Listen to me. It's not how long you go without cussing. Although I would encourage you to stop. Well, I'll get an email over that one. Physician, heal thyself. There was this faith. Faith is what opens heaven's windows. What opens hell's windows? Fear. What faith is in the kingdom of God, fear is in the kingdom of hell. If your heavenly father wants you to, if he wants to do something for you, he puts faith in your heart so you can release that faith and receive what he's given you. If the unholy enemy of your soul wants to do something in your life, he puts fear in your heart and gets you to cling to it so he can bring it to pass in your life. What faith does in the kingdom of heaven, fear does in the kingdom of hell. Let's learn, let's learn this. Faith is heaven's currency. Fear is hell's currency. My friend Job said this. What did he say? The thing that I have feared has come upon me. Well, what did Jesus say to people? Be it unto you according to your faith. The thing I had faith for has happened. We got to become a people of faith. A people of faith. Fear's robbing people. Fear blesses people. You're, You're always walking in fear or faith. What's happening in this nation? What is the dominant force in this nation right now? Terrifying fear. Fear of the future. Fear of failure. Fear of each other. Fear of people that are not like me. That's why hell's working through this nation right now. People are releasing fear. How do you release fear? You speak it. And if you say it, it's out there. Life and death are in the tongue. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. A man will have have faith in God. You will have what you say. That's why we got to be a people who would quit saying, I'm afraid my kid's going to get on drugs. It'll happen every time. I declare my children will be blessed. That's faith. Do you understand that? Fear opens heaven's windows. Excuse me. Faith opens heaven's windows. Fear opens hell's bottomless pit in our lives. That's why Jesus, what's the number one command in the Bible given more times than any other? Fear not. Over 300 times it's given in the Bible. All right, all right, we got way to get that down pat. Let me ask you a question. What if fear had no place in you? I'm gonna ask a few questions here. What if in your personal life, what if fear had no place in you? What if you didn't do fear anymore? What would happen? Imagine this. What if you never feared failure in your life? What could you do if you had no fear of failing? Have you ever hesitated because you were afraid it might not work out well? That's the fear of failure. What if you had no fear of failure? What would you try? All right, let me ask you this. What if you never feared looking stupid? I heard that. It came from right back over there. You sure don't. Let me ask you a question. What if you never feared wondering what somebody else will think? Who cares what somebody else thinks? I thought we lived for an audience of one. What if the fear of what other people think it grips you. I mean, it gets you by the throat sometimes. What if it didn't exist? What if you didn't yield to it? 
What if you didn't let the, what if it might not work out? What if the fear of it not working out couldn't get to your head? Let me ask you a question. I, I don't think I can do that. What's that? What has fear stolen from you? What has fear kept you back from? All right, we, we got to get over this fear stuff. Fear is killing us. Why so few miracles today? Did like God lose his power? Has he diminished? Did he send another Bible back about a hundred years ago? All right, listen to what I'm fixing to say. I, I did this and I, people, a lot of times we'll get new believers and we'll tell them, read the Bible. They'll read it and they'll go, what are y'all doing? I did this. I was, you know, I was a pagan, never read the Bible. I didn't know anything about Jesus or nothing at church. So I met Jesus personally, very powerfully as a young man. And I said to the guy who prayed with me, I said, what do I do? He said, you need to go to church. I said, all right, I don't like it, but if I have to, I will. And uh, with church, they gave me a Bible. And he said, I said, what do you? He said, read it. I said, read it. He said, don't start there. It's too late for Genesis. He said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are where you'll find Jesus. That's the man you're in love with now. And the book of Acts, and if you're Baptist, it's not in your Bible, but the book of Acts, <laughs> I am not sorry. The book of Acts is where you'll find how God does church. I said, got it. Okay, okay. say that again now. Them four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. A-X? He said, no, A-C-T-S. It'll be in there. Now, you got to remember, I, never, I didn't know anything, nothing. I, I looked in the book of Job because I needed one. I thought it was the listings. You know what I mean? All right. So I began to read the Bible. And this church I'm going to, the pastor was 50-some years old, very distinguished, polished man, had an earned PhD in religion or whatever. I don't know, Hebrew, whatever. And I, I'd been saved about eight, well, about two or three months. I went to him. I said, Doc, I got to talk. I called him, Doc. I said, I got to talk to you. He said, what's wrong? I said, we're not doing it right. He said, what? I said, we're not doing it right. I said, I've been reading the Bible. We're not doing this church stuff right. I said, have you ever read the book of Acts? <laughs> and I said, the, the, the way we're not doing what they did in the Bible. It's not like it was with Jesus in the book of Acts. Right. I'll never forget. He, he smiled. He said, son, when you get a little further along, you'll understand. It's been 44 years. I still don't get it. He said, well, brother Brian, you got to understand. No, I don't. Either this book is what he says he is or he's not. This book, I can't find a reply. I can't find anywhere he says in 1775, I will replace that book with another one. This is the book right here. And these, the same God, matter of fact, I just read a little while ago. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same, but I have people do that here all the time. They'll read the Bible and they'll go, do y'all raise the dead here? I'll say, I said, yeah, as soon as I'm done preaching, I said, he said, well, you know, they did it in the Bible. How come y'all don't do it? What am I supposed to tell him? Son, son. All right. Let, let me point something out here. Disagree with me if you want to. Why so few miracles today? That man has not changed one bit. He is still compassionate. He cares about people. You ever read the Bible? I'm sorry. I keep asking you ever read the Bible. All through the four gospels, let me just pick one. One of my favorites, Mark chapter one. A, a leper comes to Jesus. He bows down. And he said, I know you got the power. I just don't know if you want to help me or not. Right. Jesus moved with compassion. 
His heart was tender, said, I do want to help you be healed. I know he's got the compassion. I know his heart is still tender. I know he's got the power. Where are the miracles? Where are the, where, why, where, where's the spirit of God to redeem our young people? Where's the power of God to change things? Where's the power of God to help people? Where's the power of God to heal these marriages where people are full of hatred and anger? Where's the power of God to change lives and cities? Where's it at? It's still there. Where are the risk takers? Where's the risk takers? Where are the people that do what Simon did and said, if I sink to the bottom, I'm going after it. He said, relax. God never changed. We did. All right. One of the greatest things I could ever do for you or Jesus could do for you or Mr. Rogers, could, I don't care who does it, <laughs> is to set you free from fear. What do you think it'd be like if you were free from fear? I mean, it just didn't dictate your life anymore. Faith replaced fear. What if you could do what Jesus said when he said, I am present. Do not fear. Be courageous. Be confident. What if we could replace fear with confidence and boldness in his word? I'm going to tell you how to get rid of fear. Now, if you say, well, I'm, I'm waiting for it to disappear. You're going to die terrified. It ain't going away. They say, Brother Ryan, I'm praying not to be afraid. Look right here. You will die fearful. You can't pray it away. You know how you get rid of fear? It's in the Bible right here. This is going to sound so simple, but do me a favor. You try it and see if you don't tell the truth. Here's how you get rid of fear. You identify the thing that scares you spitless, that terrifies you. Identify that thing, and then you go do it before the sun goes down. The way you get rid of fear is to walk right into the teeth of it. The way you get rid of fear is start doing the very thing you're afraid of. All right, let's, let's go back for a second here. Simon got all jacked up about this water walking stuff. He thought it was great. He said to Jesus, I want to do that. And Jesus said, I'm waiting on you. Come on. It's very important that you hear what I'm fixing to say. God Almighty standing out there water watching him and listen to me. He's not going, you better get it right. You don't get walking on water right there, but two things can happen. Listen, listen to what I'm fixing to say. God said, come out here. And then God stood out there and smiled at him. I think I found somebody that wants to try me. Now, here's my question. So Simon, he realizes now, I got to do this. How many of you think he was a little nervous? Really? What do you think he wasn't real? You think he was like a mannequin? Listen to me. Listen to me. He was terrified. And not only that, were there 11 people standing there watching? Sitting there, what was Thomas in the boat? Y'all know Thomas? Simon, 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 Simon. How many think his head was talking to him? Have you lost? What's the matter with you? There was fear all over him. How many of you ever just got all jacked up about something then you had to do it? And thought, why did I say that? You know this is how it happened. You know why? Because the Bible said he was just like me. But here's the difference in people like Simon and everybody else. Fear be hanged. I don't care if my teeth are chattered and my knees are knocking. I'm going over the edge of that boat. And if I sink, I sink. But God told me I'm going after him. Dear ones, he stepped right into the fear. And guess what he found out? I'm going to teach you one of the greatest lessons you ever learned. Listen to me. If you'll step right into it, listen to me. You'll find out fear is a lie. Fear is a lie. 
Now, a famous president said it at the start of World War II, but the Bible's full of it. We have nothing to fear except fear itself. The greatest problem you have is not what the issue is, it's the fear of it. And the way you get rid of fear is to walk right into it. And then all of a sudden you walk right into it and you go, wasn't that big a deal? (laughs) Praise God, you will never own me again. I've had no few people say, I I know I'm supposed to talk to people about Jesus, but I'm terrified. How do you get over it? And I said, start talking. I got one amen out of that. Start talking. I want to scare you to death. But let me tell you what will happen. Here's what happened. Simon's scared to death. He puts his foot over there and he goes, and all of a sudden he feels concrete. That first step scared him. Spitless, can I get a witness? How do you think he took the rest of them steps? You think he looked back at the boat? If you'll take the first step, for instance, you you decide, uh, gosh, I can't remember, five years old, six years old, not me. We're sitting at Tweetsie Railroad in a restaurant and uh, my daughter's five or six, I can't remember, and nicest little waitress. And she walked, I said, we need to talk to the waitress about Jesus. For six years old, she said, do you want to do it or do you want me to? I said, let me try it. And if I mess up, you take over. I'm just using this as a for instance. Do you care about people? You care where they spend eternity. There's only one way to get them out of hell. Somebody got to talk to them. Let me tell you what's going to happen. It'll scare you to death. You'll say, God, this me death. And you'll go, I need to. And boy, when you take the first step, Holy Spirit of God's going to step in. Open your mouth and I will fill it. And all of a sudden, you who couldn't think of nothing to say, you can't shut up. He's just waiting for somebody to take the first step in faith so he can go, watch it. Go ahead, do it. But there was, stay in the boat, you ain't gonna never see nothing. This makes me nervous. Good, good. It's better than being bored to death. Have a good one. You go have a good one. I want to have a wild one. <laughs> All right. Um, fear's a lie. I want to point something out. You, this may irritate you, but I didn't write it. How many people were in that boat? In Matthew 14, how many people were in the boat? 12. I just got 12 people in that boat because, you know, the, the 12 followers of Jesus, 12 disciples at the time. Did they all love Jesus? Yes or no? Every one of them did. Were they all saved? All of them going to heaven? Were they all obedient to Jesus? Every single one. He told them to get in that boat. Every one of them did it. Were they all followers of Jesus? How come 11 didn't see the miracle? They were good people. They loved God. They followed God, but only one had the whatever you want to call it to say, watch this. The miracles are reserved for the people who will take the crazy risks. The miracles are for the people who say, watch this. <clears throat> I can hear it right now. I can hear it right now. And folks say, yeah, but don't you remember? Don't you remember? He sunk. He sunk. <laughs> don't you remember? He sunk. I've read the whole story. Quit hyperventilating. <laughs> it's in verse 30. The Bible said, and he, he got his eyes on the storm and being, matter of fact, we need to read it. Read this with me in verse 30. When he saw the wind, the storm was boisterous. He was what? What's the word? Fear. Is that the word fear? Tell me what fear brings into your life. 
He was afraid and beginning to sink. How many of you think that was ugly of God to do that to him? Reason with me from scripture. How many of you think that was ugly of God? Get him out there and then drop him like that. How many of you think it was not the will of God for him to sink? You say, well, what happened? What does fear always do? You know, fear, fear will cut the power of God off in your life. It doesn't mean he didn't feel it. He just began to respond to the fear. I don't care if fear is right here. I'm not doing what you say. I'm going to do what this book says. I'm going to do what faith does. And he began to sink. He said, well, I don't want that to happen to me. Well, then you can kiss the miracles goodbye. Can I make an announcement? I would rather live a risky faith life and screw up on occasion and look like a fool on occasion and fail on occasion and get to see the big miracles of God than to be a boat binder and just sit in the boat and play it safe. You know where Mr. Rogers Christianity is? It's back in the boat. You know, where the God, you know what God's looking for? People get out there and take those crazy risks. All righty. I pray this don't offend you, but I'm going to talk to you about how people think about things. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how that fearful people have big butts? Y'all never seen that? I hear it all. I hear from people that work here. God Almighty, my staff. They do get these big butts. I'll say, let's do this. They'll go, but what if we fail? What if we do? But what if it don't work out? But what if somebody don't like it? But what if, what if I don't know how to do it? That's how unbelievers think. They have these big butts. But what if it don't work? How about we need to get off our big butts? I'm going to get so many emails this week. We're going to have a blast. Let me tell you how faith people think. People say to me, but what if it don't work? You know what I'm thinking? What if it does? That's how faith people think. They think, what if it does? So what if, what if, what if they don't get well? What if they do? Well, what if we pray and nothing happens? What if we pray and something happens? What if we take a risk and something great happens? Do as faith people think, what if something good does happen? Faith people say, watch this work. This just... So what if people don't like it? Who gives a rip? There are ones, where you want to live? And so I want to go, I'm going to go to heaven, but I want to stay in the boat. God bless you. It's not your Sunday. But believers live expecting something big. A fellow gave me a book one time. I've been several years ago. I read it. And it was, you know, Oral Roberts is. I love Oral. Send me another email. I love Oral. I like Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was a believer. A friend of mine told me he went to, he went to Bob Jones University and they do a record check, make sure you ain't got no bad records. This is back in record. Those of you under 30, y'all know what a record is. That's right, they made a rebound, records. We used to have records. Had, and they said, uh, y'all got, you got any un, unproper records in your room? He said, I got an Oral Roberts record, but I can't play it. He said, why not? He said, the little hole in the middle keeps healing itself, so I got to throw the thing away. <laughs> All right. But he gave me Oral Roberts' autobiography. And uh, I, I, I read it. It was good. I could have never read it. I just loved the title. You know what the title of his biography was? Expect a miracle. He said, yep. so don't get on your butt again with me. Then was what? You know, God blesses people who just expect him to do big things. 
What's wrong with expecting miracles? What's wrong with expecting answers to prayer? What's wrong instead of saying, I don't, it ain't looking good. What's wrong with saying God will do something? This is called faith. The just shall live by. I'm just saying if he's who he says he is. All right, just thought I'd point that out. Okay, I got to do a, I got to do a disclaimer. Time out, got to do a disclaimer. For all my, all my people with big butts, I got to do a disclaimer here. (laughs) I'm not talking about stupid faith here. Don't go out this week and buy a car you can't afford with a payment you can't make and say, well, I'm going to trust God to pay for it. You're going bankrupt. (laughs) You say, what's stupid faith? Stupid faith can't find a word. Simon didn't walk on water because he just thought he could. He waited until God said, do it. Do you understand that? All faith is based on God's word. All faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word or the voice of God. To do something stupid is just take off and hope it works. Good luck. If you, yes, I'm going to walk on water. Put your Bible in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> Unless he tells you to. He said, what's with this water thing with you? Look at me. If I never walk on water in my life, I don't give a rip. How can I help people without the miracle power of God? That's what I do care about. How can my children make it if God don't speak to them? How can I make it if he don't pour his spirit out on me? How can we save this city, which we were sent here to do, if he don't help us? I don't want miracles for the sake of miracles. I couldn't care less. I've got to have miracles to live, to help people. What man can do ain't going to cut it. Who is this great God of ours? We need the miracle touch of God. And uh, so don't, don't do foolish faith, you know. My goodness, find his word. All right, listen to me. He created your heart for faith. Some of you have been listening to me this morning. Something down here has been, your head's been going, Ed, you need to change churches. <laughs> Find somebody that takes this stuff serious. Yeah, but you know what your heart's been saying this morning? Man, I'd love to see God do something. I wish God had helped my children. I, I wish God had used me to help people. I wish God had helped me. Your heart was created for faith. It's in there. It's your DNA is faith. We are, well, listen, he's a faith God and we are created in his image. You're a faith people. It's down here. We just keep it smothered under intelligence, reason, logic, asking Dr. Smell Fungus what he thinks. Who gives a fine natural? Who cares what Dr. Smell Fungus thinks? Ask Dr. Jesus what he's got to say. Don't let the experts talk you out of the promises. I'm preaching better than you, amen. He created your heart for faith. And he's just watching going, is there somebody that would like to step out of the boat so I can do something for them? I love them all. I'm going to feed them all. They're going to spend eternity with me. But would somebody like to see me do something great while they're on this earth? Try it, doc. Let's go. Step out there. Let me ask you a question. What's he calling you to do? What's he calling you to do? He ain't called me to do nothing. Yes, he has. You ain't listening. He didn't create you to eat burgers and burp. He created you to do great things. He created you to see crazy things. Every single one. Read the book. He created you to believe him for big stuff. Oh my goodness. It's in your heart. He's called you to do great things. He said, I'm too old. Somebody just said that. You're too old. Abraham was 95. How old are you? Moses was 80. 
Caleb was 85 when he whooped the land. I'm just 65. I'm too young to do anything yet. According to the Bible. Ain't there something inside of you would like to take a slingshot and kill the giant in your life that's talking ugly to you? And listen, listen, do it with the slingshot. Don't, don't get the expert. Do it with the slingshot. And then do like David, cut his head off and hang it up on your wall. <laughs> All right. Give up the safety and live in faith. Don't die before you're dead. Wait till it's time to die before you die. I got to tell you some preacher said it was ugly. That's why I'm going to tell it. A bunch of us got together and, you know, us, we're older now. It's older, the older preachers club. And uh, one of them said, uh, one of the guys in our service said, I heard brother so-and-so passed away last week. He said he died last week. Another spoke up and said, nope, he died 40 years ago. They just didn't bury him until last week. I didn't say it. I thought that was ugly. And then later on, I got to thinking about it. I said, you know what? That's the truth. Oh, yeah. That's the truth. Right. I remember that man when we were 20 some years old. He was full of the fire of God. He believed for miracles. He wanted to change the world. God was doing great things through him. He was alive. He was excited. And then over time, I think he went off to cemetery. If you go to cemetery, you're going to come back dead. And then he just settled down and became a nice Mr. Rogers American minister and never saw God do anything great again. For 40 years, he lived as Mr. Nice. He died 40 years ago. He didn't, that doesn't have to happen to anybody. He said, Brother Brian, I died a while back. Come up, come alive, Doc. I declare, come up out of the grave. Start over. I, I want to be one of them guys like my buddy J.O. Williams. He fell over at 75 dreaming of the next big thing. We had just had lunch and he just told me, he said, tell me what I'm going to do. I said, you're 75. He said, watch me. And then he, he died suddenly, passed away. He didn't die. He got promoted suddenly. He was fixing to get on a plane and go to Tibet. He wrote a book called Faithing Down Your Fears. You stare right at your fear and you walk right into it and let the faith drive the fear out of your life. Once in a while, I just find something crazy just to see what'll happen. Do it. The next thing, next time you get a chance to, to walk big and be faith, you do it. And if you fail, call me, I'll celebrate with you. But get up and start over. You say, I've screwed up so many times. Praise God, it's time to get it right. And I'm done. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. Where'd this stuff come from? Dear Jesus, where'd this stuff come from? This just this pressure on everybody just to behave and mild-mannered and this spiritual pressure not to believe you for anything. Is your, is your word true or is it not? Is the Bible true or is it not? Are you the same yesterday, today, and forever? I read this Bible and my heart burns. They had such adventure. They saw you do such great things. You walked with them. You talked with them. You, you worked miracles for them. And today we, got, we get coffee in the lobby. Dear Jesus, what happened to the Bible? What happened to the church in the Bible? When did you cancel that out? I know the answer. I praise you and thank you. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I praise you for that. And your word is the same as it's always been. I declare over these people, they are not fearful people. I declare in the name of Jesus, these are great men and women of faith. I declare they believe God. They believe you. 
I declare they have a great faith. I declare they take chances on your word. They step out in faith and great things happen. I declare these people trust you for big stuff in the name of Jesus. I give you the praise and glory for who you are, what you've done. Thank you for what you've done. But dear Jesus, I got a whole new set of needs coming up starting tomorrow. Thank you for what you'll do. I need you. And I give you the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.